Up Nation. Providing you with the practical tools and expert knowledge to optimize your strength, health, and mindset inside and out. With your host, Steve Katarzy. Alrighty, guys. So, um, Today's going to be a little bit different. Um, instead of me speaking to Bryn, um, I've actually brought on a guest today. And I've had the pleasure of briefly working with this gentleman um, over the last year or so. Um, this guy is someone who I was very impressed with. He's the kind of get shit done kind of guy that I met whilst I was working at my previous corporate gig. Um, the relationship wasn't particularly long, but after I started Adapt Nation, James, uh, who you can hear speak in just a second, um, called out the fact he's done physique competing and uh, he's really interested in what Adapt Nation's about. So, yeah, I was shocked. You know, it's uh, that most unassuming people can be doing such marvelous things. And that's exactly what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be speaking to James, who um, his full name is James Anagnostopoulos. And um, as I say, corporate guy through and through, but over the last couple of years or so has been competing in physique competitions so what i'd love to learn over the course of the next hour or so is really everything about physique competition uh the environment you know really the subjectiveness of it the the athlete's commitment to really being a science science experiment to you know change their bodies with kind of maniacal precision and really i've i've realized this over the last few years is working out how to move my body composition in the direction I want purely by managing nutrition and training. But when it comes to physique competing, it's a whole new ball game. So we're going to dive into that. And um, enough of me. Let's introduce James. Hey, James, how you doing, man? Hey, Steve. Thanks for thanks for the intro. I appreciate it. Hopefully, I was, I was roughly right, but I'm going to give you a chance to correct all the things I've just said wrong. So James, why don't you just introduce yourself, uh, the people listening, just starting at the top, like who's James, your history, family, upbringing, interests, before we get into the physique stuff. Thanks for the intro, Steve. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time and uh, inviting me into, into this podcast uh, about me. I'm an average dude. I'm about 45 years old, uh, 160 pounds, depending where in the, the winter, maybe I'll pack on some pounds at the, at the winter time, but summertime, I, I like to get tighten up. I've done some athletic competitions my whole life. I've done uh, five marathons, five triathlons. Uh, I've done three NPC men's physique competition. And, uh, my upbringing, I have a wife, two kids, live in Long Island slash Manhattan from the most part. I'm moving the whole family from a from a, a big house in Long Island with a lot of property to a very small apartment in Manhattan. That's the that's a big life change for me. It's happening in September. Wow. Um, yeah. And what what's the reason for that, man? My kids are going to high school out in, in the city. Uh, there's just better options, better opportunities in, in Manhattan. And we're making the making the the plunge into moving the family out there. Now, they're 14 and 15, so it felt like the right time to do it. And I didn't want to wait till they're out of college and then it wouldn't make sense. But 
I want them to get the experience of living in a city, growing up in a city, becoming sharp and smart and knowing how to navigate a navigate a, a city. And the, the New York City, the, Manhattan has so much to offer. So once you're out there, you you, you start getting in, um, you start being able to reap those benefits. So I, I don't know if you know this, James, I've, I've traveled into Manhattan a bunch of times. The most uh, memorable was actually my wedding. So we got married in uh, just off of Central Park on the upper uh, east side. There was a Unitarian church. And uh, mm -hmm. we just kind of had this kind of fly-by-night idea that we're going to get married. And we don't want the big fanfare of doing it at home with hundreds of people. So we selected like 10 or so different uh, people, just close friends and family to come along. And we got married in Manhattan. And since then, I've probably been about been back about eight times or so. Love oh, the really? place. Love the place. Have you but born and bred in and around um, Manhattan or just generally New York? Long Island. Born and bred in Long Island. I did this uh, college in, in in Boston. I said I lived out there for about six, seven years. Okay. Then back in Brooklyn and Manhattan for a couple of years. Now back in Long Island and now moving back to New York. Um, which something's interesting that you mentioned about Central Park. So, I, I, I stayed in Central. I stayed in Manhattan for the last nine months while my son was going in, into uh, to high school out there. And I've been running in in the mornings, and I typically run, do my 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 cardio in the morning, about a five or six miles every day. And I've been typically running on the east side in the promenade, and and. Those have been pretty nice and easy runs. Now I discovered the Central Park runs. I get up at six o'clock, go mm -hmm. there, and the the amount of people, of the 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 status or the level of athletes in Central Park when you, they run in the morning is unbelievable. I've run, <laughs> I'm pretty fit. I'm pretty fit. I run six miles every day, and I get to Central Park, and these people. <laughs> They're running so fast. They must be running six or seven minute miles uh, at a, a six six or seven minute pace. And I knew it was bad when I, I see markers, people just running and, and passing me. And and I know it was bad because they're older or or much older than me and I can't keep up. But when I saw a guy with a stroller in a, one of those running strollers, passed yeah. me, and I couldn't even keep up with it. <laughs> so if if you're wow. if you want to be part, like, league, among, if you want to be amongst great runners that, that train, Central Park in the morning is where it's at. Oh man, listen, uh, when we um, one of the trips we had, um, it was me and the missus, and it was a couple of weeks before the London Marathon. I've only run one marathon. It was the London Marathon. It was about I want to say about 12 years or so ago. Um, so we're, we're over in Manhattan and I wanted to get some training in because I didn't want to come back with no training because it was literally a couple of weeks before. So I convinced the wife that I'd wake up really early. Um, and this was like February, so it was cold. But I wake up really early, go do my run, get back, and we just car carry on with our plans. So there I did, like woke up at 6 a.m. and it was dark and it was freezing cold, man. It was icy cold. Mm -hmm. And I made the mistake of walking out thinking, I'm going to run so I don't need to put any clothes on properly. I'll just put some shorts and a, and a vest. I'll be fine. It was so cold, man. <laughs> and I ran the four or five blocks to, to Central Park. And just like you, I was, I was gobsmacked by one, how many runners there were because it was pitch black. It was mm -hmm. freezing cold. 
I was the naive uh, tourist running out there. Um, but I was surprised with how many runners were there. I actually think there was an event because there must have been hundreds of people just running yeah. you know, left and right. <laughs> Everyone else had the the foresight to wear thermals, like thermal hat, <laughs> thermal yeah. jumpers, thermal trousers. And there I was shivering my nuts off. <laughs> it took me about three hours when I got back just to thaw out. It was it was bitter, man. It does uh, get super cold in the kind of wintertime. Yeah, it? it does. It does. Insane, man. Listen, so, okay, cool. So that's a little bit about you and uh, your life configuration. How long have you been in, you know, the corporate space, IT, software space? Has that been the majority of your career? Yeah, pretty uh, predominantly. So I had colleges, uh, started writing some code. Uh, I did a career switch uh, from from writing code to become to doing program management for acquisitions, post-merger integrations. And uh, that was that, that was a better better move in my career where I get to meet different companies, different people, have different interactions. So I've um, been in that, that space for my, for, for my whole career now. So doing that, as I know, is, you know, it's a, it's a demanding job, right? Um, yeah. You know, these companies, it's all about growth. It's all about revenue. Um, it's fast paced, especially a big company that you're currently working in. You know, there's, there's a lots of puts and takes, lots of politics, you know, you know, just trying to get shit done can be challenging and you've got to be on your game. How do you have the dedication to that job and at the same time take up something like physique compete, uh, competitions? Maybe like rewind, like how did that even come about? Because that, that's, <laughs> that's, that's a great question. That's, that's, that's a great work, question. Man. So I, yeah. Everyone goes through some sort of midlife crisis, and whether they get a tattoo, whether they get a sports car, whether they, they how they deal with with a midlife crisis, and and I, I'm not shy to say that. And it maybe took me a year to figure out that I was going through a midlife crisis, just because I didn't know where I was going to end up, where my job, um, where my career was going. And there must have been something that triggered triggered that that activity and the only output i could find was working out going to the gym training running and i was doing it but i was doing it half-assed uh, mm-hmm. i was working out i was reading some articles once in a while i was running and then i thought that why don't i give it a better go and really focus on nutrition so that I could get a higher return on investment here. So if I had the the cardio, the working out and the nutrition, then all of a sudden it just started to take off. Um, the, the, the results started coming. It's, it, all, it was all around the, the dieting and the meal and the, ca- the counting of um, your macros. Once I started to do that, then I was able to focus a lot of my stress or energy towards towards working out and it that this is how um it just it just built on and on and on and it was something that i used to cope with uh, any stress that i i i've been i i had and i was going through and it was kind of interesting is when i told my wife i wanted to do a uh men's physique uh competition she first off thought i was <laughs> she had no clue what a men's physique was because I was I told her two weeks prior to the competition. She's oh, like, really? <laughs> two two weeks. And I barely even took off my shirt in front of her. Or not not like I just didn't 
pose in the in the in a mirror. I didn't even like. There's nothing. She didn't catch on that I was <laughs> really into physical fitness and working out and the way I look. Um, and and because I just didn't promote that. I wasn't I wasn't in the mirror at all day. I wasn't. Uh, I mean, she saw that I was eating healthier and working out and it was important. But two or three weeks prior, I said I wanted I wanted to do this, and she she was completely shocked. She's like. What do you mean? You want to do what? Like, she didn't even know what it meant. Like, once a men's <laughs> physique is, she thought it's like, but you're not a bodybuilder. What are you talking about? I'm like, well, it's different category. It's a men's board shorts. There, it's not a, a the, the old classic bodybuilding style. It's a lot different these days. So, men's physique is a different category. And it took her a while to understand why I wanted to do it, why I wanted to um, um, compete. And but, however. My whole life, I've been competing in something. I did five marathons. I've trained for five triathlons. I've always competed wow. some sort of some sort of athletic event. So I said this is another natural athletic event. It's just a little different. And she, she, they, they joke with me. It's a pageant show. You, you want to go up there and parade yourself <laughs> as a pageant in a pageantry, and they call it my pageantry. And it. It maybe it it is a, it, I I like to experience new things and challenge and learn and stuff like that. So I I don't know how many more I'll do if I'll ever do another one, but it is an an experience and it it was it, they were good experiences and they're great challenges and and how to how to figure out how to do better in them. So you've said you've done marathons and triathlons before. And that's all obviously whilst having holding down, you know, a full time demanding job. So I guess you, you you're used to the idea of multitasking both the physical and mental aspect and committing to both. I mean, for a lot of people that that's a lot of work, right? Um, yeah, I think back at the years that I've been, you know, I've been working and, you know, when when the shit hits the fan, there seems to be very little mental space to you know to go commit to something else now you might show up at the gym but to show up at the, at the gym being able to switch off work and give it everything you have to give it to get the kind of output that you're after i don't know i've found times where that's really tough or if you know you're traveling i know you travel a bit in your job as well james but you know when you're traveling a lot that can throw you out um did have you always been able to deal with that you know, the, the pressure of working a 50-hour, 60-hour, 70-hour week and still fitting in the training, the requisite kind of prepping, whether it be for running activities or with the gym, is that something you just always were able to balance or have you got kind of coping mechanisms to try and do both well? I, I It is it is challenging. And the, you can, you know, people say that they don't have any time. That that That's a that's never true. There's always time. You can you need to make time. Mm-hmm. And like for marathons is pretty like for a marathon training. You you that was pretty intense. Although let's say I ran 50 miles uh, a week, 50 or 60 miles a week. I, I don't remember the numbers, something like that, but to, in order to to run that much on like those long runs, I would have to get up like 3:30, 4 o'clock in the morning to carb Bloody up. Hell. Just to carb up, you know, have some carbs, go to the bathroom a couple times, take a nap, and then wake up and go at five o'clock. Then wow. you run from five, five to six, seven for two hours or three hours, so that I'm back home at eight thirty to do whatever I have to do with the family commitment. So how you do that? You just have to, you just have to be committed. It's the the benefits are are 
I felt were more you get I get more out of doing it because going to, let's say, uh, uh, an event later in the a social event on Friday, let's say, or, or Saturday, and I, I already com- completed a 20 mile long run uh, in the back of my head. I kept on saying to people, it, it, yeah, how was your day? Did you run 20 miles this morning? And it's something <laughs> I, I would have that in my head that, that would give me such... Very stoic, you know, isn't it? Yeah, you know, like, like, kind of like you've, you've, yeah. you've stepped up and done hard work. Yeah. And there's, there's something, there's a great return mentally yeah. to, to knowing that you're doing hard work and you're doing more than most people would dare. And I completely relate to that, man. I do things in the morning which most people would never do just because it sounds horrible. But I do it because it it, it returns mentally uh, equally to the physical side of things. So I, I get that point. But it, wow, man, waking up at 3.30 to feed. So let, wow, let's, that is insane, man. Let's dissect that. So marathon. So I was, uh, I trained. I tried to do compete for, for – tried to get a qualifying time for Boston Marathon. Like it was a 16-week training core uh, training plan. Uh, I get injured on the, on the 14th week. It didn't make my, my time that I wanted. Fine. I tried it again. Same thing happened. Fine. And it was a huge commitment. And I'm not saying it's not. It's a, Marathons are huge commitments. Then you get into the NPC men's physique uh, space. This – now, running a marathon is kind of like the morning runs, like two or three hours in the morning, every morning, super early, wake up, eat. When you get into men's physique competition, it's a lot more. It's the, the physical training aspect is the easy part. But the eating, the, the eating and the dieting mm. is so much harder uh, if, like carrying your food with you everywhere you go, so because you are, I want to eat this the exact type of food, and like even when I catered lunches for a business meeting, I'll bring my food, and they're like, "What's wrong with the food that I that you brought? It's not good enough for you. It's not good <laughs> enough for you." <laughs> so it's and it's annoying for people around me, my family. When we go out to dinner, I can't order certain food because I don't want to eat that food. Or I bring food out to a dinner or a restaurant. It's just, it's really, that is the toughest part of it, that the eating aspect of it or the, the dieting and the amount of, amount of um, counting of, of your macros. I want to get into all of that, man. This is, uh, I'm, I'm really, really intrigued. Um, let's start off with just making sure everyone understands uh, what you specifically have trained or um participated in so from an mpc perspective you just want to call out like what categories that you've given it a go yeah so the, the men's physique um they have ifbb and npc yeah and they they have uh, different age groups uh i competed in over 35 and then there's a uh, over 45 categories i like to do since i'm doing it i, I like to compete in both of them and those groups um it it's interesting like which and then they also have this thing that's called pro qualifying so if you get in the top three you go to you you're able to get into uh um compete against a a, a pro qual a qualifying for a, a pro card and i don't know any of this stuff like you get back there and, and i'm not doing this as for a professional yeah. uh, aspect i'm not like this is not for me i'm just doing it to see if i can kind of stand up on stage next to these uh knuckle dragging people like kind of just it's really 
like it looks like a circus with these people. And I never I look at them and they like look so good. And you think, how do I how can I look that good? And it's and until you do like three of them, I wouldn't even consider myself even a a competitor or someone that can even say that they've done these things. So after the third one, I've I kind of gotten the the rhythm of Mm. what it takes and I learned that these athletes up there are way further, like the amount of commitment. Now I have, I'm committed to doing all this training and these people up there, they are so much more committed than me. And you find like there's just, and how, and you get, you earn so much more respect for their ability to do, to have that level of commitment when your commitment what my commitment is is so high and theirs are even higher because they're placing higher than I am or are they, doing better than I am. The majority of uh, folk, are they, are they holding down jobs as well? For, have you interacted with, you know, enough of the people you're competing against to know, you know, what their backgrounds are as well? Yeah. Some of them are um, personal trainers. Some of them, uh, one guy was a, a, uh, works on railroad as a conductor. One is a police guy. Corporate. I didn't meet too many corporate uh, people, but um, the that those are the type of people that that are typically competing. But they're they're working, right? You know, they they are. Yeah, they're working. They're, they're, everyone's working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that, because it, it, you you expect when you obviously when you get to the pro level, you don't have to yeah, do yeah. anything else, right? It, this can yeah. be your full time commitment get sponsors. Is that right? yeah you can get like sponsorships but you're not going to make that much money like if uh, if you get a sponsorship i, I just i mean as a pro uh, pro if you get your pro card you know unless you're famous but like mm. you're not going to make this is not a a, a lifeline this is not you know you're not going to make money <laughs> so these people think like they're going to become you know get a pro a sponsor and i'm just playing with the the fact that I'm on stage and trying to compete with them and um, it's a it's not I'm not competing against them I'm competing against myself I'm daring myself to see can I do do I have the guts to go up there and mm-hmm. do it do I have the guts to train for 18 weeks or 10 weeks or five weeks or whatever to to do the dieting to do all, everything and and learn from them you, the interactions that you have with them are amazing how they they deal and cope with the, their their um, their training and and what works what I've learned is what works for one person may not work for another and and their mm. techniques of, of how to manage that is is pretty impressive and if you think of if you think of like the working out in the diet you your results aren't instant so that you can change or adjust your your approach or technique. You're, the changes are so gradually that you need to be so in tune with those changes that if you need to make an adjustment, you make the adjustment and you won't be able to measure for another week or so. It's just it, the, the level of commitment of being able to do that. And you like, so what I say is that you have to eat the same food for a whole week to see how you feel mm. and how and and then and when you say same meal, you're eating uh, same food seven times a day for the whole week before you can see any changes wow. and adjust in, in your how you feel so that you can if you feel bloated less bloated enough energy 
and then you can if you if you need to make a change you make a change and you won't realize that that effect until the the following week so, so it's, when 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 you talk about nutrition james are we is is it not easy is it not simple enough to say you know i've got a calorie target and i've got a protein target and hey i've got to train hard and i want my glycogen to be higher so i've got to get sufficient carbs as well work within those parameters does it does it matter so much around the type of food that meet those calorie and macro needs uh, it sounds like there isn't a benefit of being specific do you want to kind of help me understand that yeah and i think what i'll say is it your body type is completely different and how your engine deals with f certain foods is completely different. So what may work for me, what I what you read online may work for someone else. It does not mean it's going to work for you. You need to figure that out. And I I've learned over time where someone tells me to eat more carbs. You should eat this. You should eat the uh, sweet potatoes. You should eat brown rice. You should eat oatmeal because that gives you the energy. But that may give me the sugar and gain the weight that I don't want, where others will tell me you need to eat high fat, where that will become your fuel and, and your body will run on, on the high fat. And so what I've learned is that you need to try it. There's nothing that someone can tell you to do and it will work. You need to try it and you need to try it for weeks to see how your body responds to it. And so I'm learning, I'm testing, I'm trying different things. How much carbs do I need per day to not feel tired and groggy and still be able to train? The protein, I like to eat clean protein, dried chicken, dry fish, dry, dry everything. Very little, I very rarely eat uh, steak, maybe once a week, if that, or red meat. Uh, but the most part, I eat uh, chicken and cod. <laughs> And uh, why, why is that? Because it's low fat or because it's got it just go it sits well with you? What's the reason why you'd avoid steak, for example? The, st the steak doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't. It it stays longer than than chicken or, or fish. OK, um, so I like the dry chicken and dry cod like baked without any oils on there. Very no seasoning on there plain i think of a, eating as a fueling stop or every time i eat it's for a fueling reason yeah. and and uh, w what you've learned over the time what i've learned over time is that you eat you need to eat smaller meals more frequent so every two and a half hours i need to eat and i eat constantly so people think oh you're so skinny how are you how are you so skinny i, I eat much more than you, you to lose weight you need to eat more you need to convince your body that you're you, you let go of those fat reserves because your body's holding on to the thinking that you're going to starve and that's why those fat reserves are there if you fuel your body constantly every two and a half hours it will start letting go of those fat reserves because you're always feeding your body and you need that fuel you need that that source of energy so that you can um, do the exercise you need and is that would you say that's specific to someone who's being um, as maniacal as you are around training, I, obviously, when it comes to sorry, when it comes to physique uh, and competing, it's important you do everything as perfectly as you can. So, when you talk about eating six or seven times a day, are you suggesting that's uh, a thing that most people should do, or are you saying it just works best for you 
irrespective of whether you're competing or you're just living normal life or you're saying that's very specific to the goal and the goal in this point is to compete and obviously build muscle and get shredded as possible i'm just interested in terms of what you think is is it is it ideal for wellness nutrition and and normalness or are you being very specifically in the pursuit of the the competition yeah i think i think if and i this is just by regardless of competition or not i will continue to eat like this i feel better okay. when i eat more frequently smaller meals more frequent um and that's, to me that works now uh the, the composition of what i eat whether it's how much how much uh, protein how much vegetables how much uh carbs that might change a bit um but eating smaller portions more frequent and it's an, it's annoying and it's it's challenging because <laughs> You got to eat at ten o'clock. I got to eat at twelve. I got to eat at. You got meetings throughout the day, and you've got to put it all in. Yeah, Yeah. you got to eat all day long. It's (laughs) it's kind of disgusting because in the middle of a meeting, you have to. Oh, it's my feeding session. It's like (laughs) you look like an idiot. You're gonna carry around your food, and but but at the same time, I'll be training or or exercising or doing some sort of athletic thing three like for two and a half hours a day or sometimes three hours a day and how do you do that you can't do that unless you eat properly yeah you can't so. I, I i would say james and, and again the reason i'm asking the nuance here is i know for you know the general population or people wishing to build a great body or lose a bunch of weight if we're not talking specifically on the you know the extreme end whether it be athletes or um competitors I would say, you know, calories are calories for the most part. Uh, you know, get 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 a calorie deficit going if you want to lose weight or be in a surplus if you want to gain weight. Hit your protein levels. That's really important. Um, but beyond that, um, how you mix up the rest of the macros and how frequently you eat, I think is more personal preference. Like for me personally, James, I like big meals. So I only eat two or three times a day. But I have four thousand calories a day. These are big meals, and I know for a lot of people they wouldn't they wouldn't be able to stomach it. You know, they just wouldn't be able to get the volume in in one sitting. But for yeah. me, I love my food. I love my flavors, my textures, the experience. It is an experience every time I eat, and I want to make a big deal out of it. Um, but I know if I was to compete, um, I, I suspect that wouldn't be optimal. Not for glycogen levels or you know protein synthesis levels so much or maybe to some degree i just think i'd just be bloated all the time you know because yeah. i'd be just storing that much that much food in my gut you know in one sitting that has to get through my through my bowels and that's probably not ideal when you're you know you're trying to be uh you know, you, you, you you want to have maximum energy and not feel sluggish and all that kind of stuff i, I don't know if you agree or not but i i just kind of wanted to call out that nuance that i think it's very individual like Bryn, for example he can't eat like me even if he wants to try and get 4,000 calories in, he needs to eat little and often. And that's not because of any other reason other than he can't do big, big meals in one sitting. It's his body composition. Like he's probably like, like me, uh, I'm 150 pounds. I can I, I, when I do the bulk up, uh, bulk up season in, in the winter, I just can't gain weight. I'll go up to 165 is like my max and I'm eating an, enough food that I'm about to barf and throw up after <laughs> each meal. And it's like, cause you're eating, I'm consuming so much food and 
I won't go past 165. It's, I won't go to 166. It's like it's impossible. What's what's the highest I, cal- daily calories you've got yourself up to in an attempt four, to like help? four or five thousand? Really? Wow. So for a 160 uh, pound guy eating four or five thousand calories, and you're struggling, to how, how is that even possible? <laughs> it's it. I can tell you, it's disgusting. What happens to your body is disgusting. Like you're going to the bathroom all the time. Yeah. It's, you're eating and eating and eating and eating. It's just, it's not fair for my family. <laughs> <laughs> So um, we're talking about nutrition. Obviously, that's a, a critical part of preparing yourself for a competition. What other things go into prepping? Because I, I suspect yeah. if you sign yourself up for a competition, it could be weeks ahead, a few weeks ahead if you're already there. But I guess many of the times you, you'll you'll put a date in a diary for some time, three, four, five, six months away, and then you'll train diligently on the lead up to that. Do you want to talk me through like that kind of training block? prior to peak peaking and then we can talk about peaking afterwards like what are you what are you doing on the lead up to a show yeah months out so it, it, it all depends like how, like i can talk about the last competition which was local and this is a funny story so it was local to my my house and i only got ready two weeks prior i was already pretty lean given it's summertime and uh i'm i'm training similar um but when typically for like eight like eight weeks out you'll start you'll start a couple phases where you try to put on as much size and then start trimming it down and then the last two weeks really trim it down um and so the the carb the carb uh, the amount of carbs for me i will i will the the last couple weeks i'll try to get it down to zero and that's impossible but if if um if if you can do it, then your body goes into this ketonic state where it starts burning up its own your own fat for fuel. The weight just comes off so fast, like uh, and it all comes down to the last two weeks prior to the event. So where, you're not you're not looking to lose weight pre uh, that kind of last two weeks. Well, On the lead I, up to that, are you? Would you say you're in a quote unquote kind of bulking phase, uh, and you yeah, are you trying like, to get PRs, and are you trying to improve on you know kind of your strength gains on on the pre kind of peak time, um, yes. or are you just kind of you know same or same? I'll just kind of loads of volume, not so worried about progressive overload, eating maintenance calories. Just talk me through you know what how you think about you know eight weeks or twelve weeks ahead. Is it a bulk? Is it progressive overload? Is it strength or is it hypertrophy? How are you thinking about that training time? Yeah, so like eight weeks out, you, you're going to go, you want to try to build some mass. So I go heavy uh, and then focus on heavy. And the workouts are heavy. Um, so that, and, and, and I eat more and I'll eat more carbs and get the, the energy there. I'll always do the, the cardio and the, uh, uh, in the morning. So that's a, always an hour, try to get an hour, hour of cardio in the morning, uh, and an hour of, of weightlifting at night. And that, that's the norm, but in the middle, sometimes I'll throw in uh, 30 minutes of abs, but for, so like eight weeks out, I'll do, uh, more heavier heavier weight less volume then so we're talking like weeks. strength um strength kind of four to six reps or are we still yeah, we're still six, talking yeah, more bodybuilder eight to twelve plus 
four to six. I'd go okay. four to six. Okay. Just try to get that base foundation of pure strength there. And this this is just what, what works for me. Now you have six weeks left. So the next four weeks I'll go to um, – I'll try to – I'll do the FST7. Uh, Jeremy – Jeremy's uh, – uh, who's a – the MPC champ. He has his, his training program, which is – a high volume, high volume, and it, it, high little volume. Rest. And it's yeah. little rest, and it's a mix, a mix. Uh, so I'll do that for four weeks, and then it, it's, it, and then the last two weeks, um, which is the most interesting, the last two weeks where it all comes together, where now you're gonna, you, you've, you've honed in on how many, how many carbs you can, you can deal with not having <laughs> and you have to increase your your um your the volume that will deplete all your glycogen so that you can barely move you're you, you're almost fainting at at the workouts uh you're going as as far as as much as you can so it'll do three wow. three exercises uh high volume 20 sets each and your you your strength is so so little compared to what you started, and if you here's your biomarker if you if that's how you feel you feel like you're gonna faint and you feel so tired then you know that you're looking good. You're, <laughs> it's the question is like is it worth is it worth looking which more more important looking good or feeling good, and as a biomarker if you feel like shit. And it's you working. feel like you're going <laughs> to if you feel like you're going to fall asleep in the middle of a conversation and you've slept all day because you had no carbs and you feel like everything hurts, you, you know, you're you're doing well. You look great. Like uh, you're really tight. And that you, you is, have fat. Yeah. that is that's paradoxical. And that's ridiculous. I'm 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 obviously interested in kind of going keto. I know it's a big, big thing at the moment. Yeah. Uh, lots of people can live their life being really low carb all the time um I, I suspect it must be hard when you're doing very glycolytic demanding activities such as you know anaerobic uh you know weightlifting i mean that requires you know create phosphocreatine it requires glycogen major mostly it's hard to do strength training on ketones it's on ketosis right so uh, once you've depleted, as you've just said, once you've stripped out that, you know, the the water and the glycogen from your muscles, I suspect you're you're stacking up on creatine to give you something, um, and you're just hoping for the best. I mean, how, how where do you get the energy from? Because I doubt you you're burning. You're able to tap into your fat stores to do that high contraction, high demanding muscle work because it's just a different. It's a different energy system, isn't it? It's uh, it is so difficult that that two week peak week or even down the last week is is exactly that turmoil that you just explained you're you're tapping into your ketones now you know your body is is working is tapping into those your fat source for fuel that your breath starts to change you feel it like you feel like i went to a movie i sat there for two hours for watching a movie and i know i just burnt like a, a pound just watching this movie and, and i got out and i'm like i i feel like i'm 
my body's eating itself. Yeah. And it, it is, is so difficult to continue, but that's, that's, I guess what you have to do is to, so that you can get down to the, the 7% body fat to be on stage. And, and it's such a, it's such a commitment. Now I, I don't think it's healthy. I don't, I don't promote anything to for like people to do this. this but if you're going to get a step on stage and you want to, that is a, if you want to. It's a prereq, right? You, you, it's you a prereq. I mean, yeah. you, you, you have, that's like the one thing you have on mind. Is, so if you're going through a, a midlife crisis, step on stage and take off your shirt. It's going to, you're going to be not thinking about anything but that. And <laughs> you're healed. And so um, that your, your focus is going to be able to, to outweigh the pains of, uh, of not having any energy or not being able to be strong or per perform in a gym or uh, doing any exercise because you don't have the, the fuel sources that you normally have. And is that mainly you, that, that, you know, crappy time? Is that mainly that two weeks on the lead up to a competition? Is everything before and afterwards easy in comparison? Um, yeah, I would say it, it's, easier it's not easy uh, you deal you do have to deal with uh, constant soreness shin splints or back pains and and you have uh, with those biohacks you get a massage to try to work out the, uh, the, the all those pains and get take an ice bath whatever you can do to help stretch yoga to, to uh, allow you to keep going and what, but, why, why would you say you're in uh, you're getting in so much soreness is it purely volume? Is it just it's, yeah, so much volume on volume? Yeah, it's so much. It's also a mix too. You're you're mixing up. You're you're confusing. It's muscle confusion for your body, and your body's not getting used to. Uh, it's not getting used to the the workout. So if you're going heavy for two weeks or three weeks, and then you're going into a high volume in the next four weeks, then it, your body, your muscles aren't getting used to the the type of training so it can't build any resi resistance so you're always messing around messing you're throwing curveballs at your muscles by doing that so mm. I, it, I i definitely feel that i mean i i got a bit of a hybridized uh training kind of program over the course of this year I, i'll move from you know pure strength training to more more the kind of classic hypertrophy training i'll then do some daily undulated periodization on certain kind of training blocks and i i feel the difference every time i move from one phase to the next and i, I typically do eight weeks at, at, at a go just for ease um that first couple of weeks is really hard and i often find if i go from doing you know really heavy strength like you know three rep max type stuff to then doing you know 12 to 15 reps seven eight sets of um i find that extra volume, what it does is it, because you're working more often to fatigue and you're doing so many reps, it exposes weaknesses in your body that um, doing fewer reps wouldn't show. Like for example, when I bench, um, when I fatigue, I didn't realize it because I was doing four to six reps, I didn't really get to that point. But when I fatigue, I roll my shoulders up and forward to try and lift the, you know, lift the bar mm. up. And I didn't really notice it until I started doing, you know, 20, 30 sets of, you know, mm -hmm. a variety of different bench pressing is that I was doing this. And whilst in the moment 
it wasn't overly obvious. It was obvious for about three weeks afterwards because I just got painful um, shoulder and kind of the top of the bicep pain where I just basically fucked my rotator cuff a little bit, just kind of created some inflammation because I was moving my shoulder joint too much in an attempt to try and lift the bar off my off my chest so many times. So I suspect when you're going into that really, you know, FST7, lots of volume, little rest, you know, pushing yourself to exhaustion, you know, fatiguing through kind of almost endurance-based kind of sets, mm -hmm. that must expose weaknesses in your form. And as soon as your form starts dropping, that's when things things can start to hurt, I suspect. Yeah, you got to have that control because you're used to going heavy and now you're going with the high volume. You got to be forget about your ego at the gym where you pick up the heavy weights and people are looking at go light, go light because you're going to do 20, 30 reps and just stick with that because you'll get more out of it. So if you you, you got to be able to control how much how much you're you're lifting or trying to lift. Yeah keep the you got to check the ego man i can understand that i can fully appreciate that yeah. tell, tell me about rest do you how, how do you think about rest on the lead up to a show both in terms of you know when you're not in the gym you know sleeping chilling out just trying to let your body re rebuild itself as well as you know rest periods between workouts uh, uh, you had a great episode in one of your previous iPad, iPod, um, your podcasts, where you talk about overtraining, and I, I am so guilty of overtraining, and, and I, I'm not one to speak of what how to do it better or how to do it well. I find that I train not for, or I'll exercise not for the pure benefits of uh, knowing, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wreak a benefit afterwards. I get it for the immediate, immediate. Endorphin rush. There endorphin and then, rush. right? Yeah. <laughs> there and then. And um, so I can't speak well about, uh, about rest. I don't rest. I, I train, I try to train typically seven days a week. Wow. Now, now it, it, on the weekends, it might be instead of two and a half hours, it'll be one hour or might be just two hours. And it won't be as intense as during the Monday through Friday, um, the work, the, the week. So that's uh, insane, man. So you train, you, you weight train every single day. I'll do something. So I'll run, I'll do some, some, some sort of cardio every day. I will um, on Saturday, Sundays. It well, it, it might I might just do abs on one day or, or traps on the on the next day. My okay. traps, my traps aren't I can never grow no matter what I do. So I try to. <laughs> I, 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 they I need extra traps. help. <laughs> I do it twice a week. I have to do traps twice a week, and it's still they just don't grow. So it's then just, they're they're lagging. So then if you're if you're training, you're doing some kind of strength based training every single day. Is your programming very? Um, is it is it bang on to ensure that you know a given muscle group gets some rest between sessions? Like, are you are you training the same muscle group, you know, day after day, or are you trying to build some some buffer in so they it can recover? Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely building in some uh, some buffer, so I don't want to train the next day uh, unless unless it's the, the peak week, and the peak <laughs> week is train train every muscle every muscle every day for wow. two weeks. Bloody hell, man. That's a glycogen depletion um, process. So, But prior to that, it'll be, I, I like to give myself 
and I switch it up. One week, um, it'll be one muscle group or chest and buys and back and tries on, on Monday. And then that's Tuesday and then shoulders on Wednesday and then arms again on, on Friday and then legs, which I always go cheap on, <laughs> uh, cause I'm running so much. I'm how much am I going to train for, for legs? Yeah. Uh, so, but then, then I'll do the undulation, which I find is pretty good. Like if I have a lagging part, like my chest is lagging, I'll try to hit that. I'll hit that three times a week. So Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday, or Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and and I won't go as high as a volume. I mean, but so it all evens out. It's just how much or when you train. Yeah, no, no, I hear you, and it depends on its intensity, right? So yeah. the time you need to give between you know sessions could could be as frequently as you could train that same muscle group every day. I mean, let's use an extreme. Um, if you went into the gym and you just done body weight squats, you know, three sets of eight. Could you do that the next day without there being a detrimental impact to your body? Of course you could. You, you could do that every single day of your life, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But when you then start putting a bar on your back and you start getting to 100K and then 150K, now, you know, the idea of doing that every day, one, it becomes quite difficult. And two, you're not allowing that, that level of intensity requires more time away from that exercise for the muscle to, you know, repair itself and the new fibers to grow. And it sounds like, you know, you know what you're doing and you, you've, you've spaced that out. Um, but I've fall, I've fallen into the trap, uh, James, of just, you know, thinking every day in the gym is of benefit. So how many more days can I go in? Right. Let's go five. Let's do six. Let's do seven. And only recently have I started to dial that down and I'm only now doing four days a week, which, at first was so, so difficult to pull back from. Mm -hmm. um, honestly, I'm noticing increased strength and, uh, you know, my, my body responding positively because I'm giving it enough time to actually do that repair work because otherwise I'm just putting damage on damage and I'm not allowing <laughs> those fibers to, you know, be recruited to, you know, to fix themselves and new fibers, new cells to grow. So I don't know, it's, it's hard to accept but for me, at least, my body uh, and the kind of training style, which is generally very intense every time I train, I just need to give myself usually 48 hours. If I'm working chest really hard, I don't want to be working chest the following day. It's just it's not going to be productive for me. Right. But three days a week, I mean, if I can do that, I'll, I'll definitely do that because I'm noticing, you know, frequency is king, right? The more frequency, the better. But the needle you need to thread is frequency as high as possible, but respect rest as well. <laughs> yeah. So how do you get that right? Yeah. It, 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 you have to try it, test it, measure it, uh, and adjust it. And for me, I I haven't haven't done the resting part as much as I should, and I know I should. I and I I just can't move myself to do that. <laughs> Because you're addicted, man. It's, it's yeah, just like a substance addiction, but yes, you know, it's, it's a healthy exactly, one. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Every morning, I need to do something. If I don't sweat, I don't feel right. I feel horrible. Yeah, it's in my mind. It's all in my mind. But I feel horrible that I uh, complete completely wasted day if I don't work out or do some sort of exercise. I hear you, man. I and and it's been really hard for me to pull away. The only way, James, I've been able to take get some comfort from the idea of not going into the gym was to do a couple of things. One, 
say, okay, I'm not going to go to the gym. How can I use that time to fulfill another goal of mine? So I'm going to get time back because as you said, you're going in the gym for like two hours. If I don't go into that, I want to be, do- I'm not, I'm not just chilling out doing nothing. How can I use that time? So it's in pursuit of something else I really care about. And, and that was a motivator to some degree and going, wow, I've got another two hours to do, you know, this hobby or this thing or develop or grow in some other way. And then the second thing for me was, um, I would, I would un- undulate between saying, okay, I know I need more mobility. I know I need some, I know I need some parasympathetic, like kind of stretchy yogury type stuff in my life too, because I'm a bit too beast mode. So the way I would uh, barter with myself is like, I'm going to go to the gym every day, <laughs> but I'm going to do mobility today, or I'm going to do, you know, some dynamic stretches, or I'm yeah. I'm actually going to do some deep breathing and yogury type stuff. <laughs> I'm still in the gym. I'm still physically participating in, in, in that physical kind of need that I had, yeah. but yeah. I'm now kind of giving back more than I'm taking, you know? Yeah. yeah. I've been trying to, I've been trying to move towards that, do yoga, stretching or something uh, it, it, that it feels like you're still at the gym. You're still working out. <laughs> yeah, but. Exactly. And so I'm trying, I'm trying to get there. I just haven't been able to take that plunge. Yeah, well, um, another thing I'm really interested about before we get into the, the actual show itself, because um, I'm sure that's going to be super interesting, was um, you spoke about nutrition. Talk to me a little bit about supplementation. Like, what does oh. that look like for you? <laughs> So, and I, I'm not I'm not promoting what I do as being healthy or or anything or that my sleep deprivation or the amount of working out and and here comes another one supplements I'm I feel like I'm I'm a lab experiment I take everything <laughs> <laughs> I take first off uh, the, the the staples is protein protein powder so whey and isolate and and um, the the nighttime which one what's the, the nighttime called yeah, casein. I yeah. think I have all different types of protein, and I'll have a, a scoop, uh, probably two or three scoops a day. Um, that's either pr- twenty gram, twenty grams, yeah. twenty grams of a, of each scoop. So, typically, two or three every day. Um, I'll take the multivitamins. I will those just standard multivitamins. I'll take. Uh, um, vitamin, special vitamin D makes me feel good. Um, I'll take uh, CLA. That's the fat loss or, or it turns your fat into, it speeds up your metabolism. I'll, I'll take, um, L-carnitine, the stuff that makes you, it's like a thermogenetic that makes you sweat in the morning. Yeah. Take that. Um, what else do I take? Betalanine, creatine. Uh, uh, creatine once in a while. Oh, do you not take? Uh, do you not take creatine daily? Not daily. I don't, and I know I should because the that's the highest. Uh, you get a lot of value from that, and there's a lot of scientific proof that that stuff works. So yeah, and just, and, and the thing is with creatine, James, um, is that it basically there's a there's a, a maximum creatine store that you can have within your body. I, I forget the number. It's like 100, 150 grams. You can't have any more than that in your body at any one time. Um, I think it might be stored in the liver and some in the muscle or something like that. Um, but there's a, there's a finite amount of storage you have. But every time you do contractile kind of force type stuff, so strength training, um, the means in which you fuel that, that, that explosive work is uh, leveraging phosphocreatine, so creatine. And... Um, if you're not getting a lot of red meat, which sounds like you're not, 
um, you're probably not getting a very creatine rich diet. So then what that means is as you work out, you're burning the creatine. And if you're not putting it back in with your diet, this kind of uh, storage of creatine is going to be low. And the lower creatine is uh, the less explosive you can be working out and the less immediate energy you have available for your training. So what they say is when you're on creatine, you're basically on creatine for life, like whether it's supplementation or it's through food, but you want to keep it, you want to keep your stores high and keep that bucket full because um, they're just going to reward you with stronger workouts and slightly fuller muscles. So it's, it's, it doesn't benefit taking it once in a while. It has to be an everyday thing to keep yeah. those stores up. I trick my body with those high energy drinks. Um, (laughs) the the latest technology, like you buy, you look at the, you go on the shelves and they have ones like for $25 and the ones for $49.99. And I always take the $49.99, the the most expensive one. And I I don't know what's in these, these, uh, these, what's in these these pre-workouts, are they? Pre-workouts, yeah. yeah, The pre-workout knocks or nitrogen, whatever they call it in there. I've tried them all, but they really work. I mean, the, the oh, so do you work. take a, do you take a pre-workout every day then before, uh, a, a major workout? Yes. Okay. So they've probably got so, creatine in them. Probably. Uh, yeah. uh, is it got, uh, they have some stuff in there that, that just keeps you going. Sometimes I, I, I like to mix it up with uh, a monster energy drink. They had some bloody uh, hell. Thing. So yeah. healthy. You're going, you're going <laughs> full out. <right? laughs> but if you, you know, I, there's no such thing as a bad workout. You shouldn't have a, like, there's no excuse to have a bad workout. Yeah, I'm so hey, tired. Man. I can't do it. There's so, there's ways to, to trick your body to have a great workout. You have the great music. You have your iPod. You have no, no wires on those iPads, the iPad, the earbuds anymore you have this creative energy drink so there's there's always reasons to have a good workout yeah no i hear you so so you've got you've got the pre-workout you've got the protein powders cla l-carnitine multivit vitamin d um what what about a couple of others do you take bcaa's uh, in a while, I'll I'll throw that in a scoop uh, if it tastes good, and I go through these things, these cans, uh, um, monthly. So my 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 cabinet is full of all this stuff, and I it depends what I feel or how, what I what I'm lacking, or and I just scoop it in, and I yeah, and I put. So it's not like I'm con- consistent aside from the the protein, protein. The, the protein, the multivitamin, and the and the CLAs. Do you take uh, ZMAs or magnesium generally to help recovery? No, no, just the. So, um, might might be worth taking a look at. It's this this cheap, generally speaking, but magnesium is uh, is known for its. Um, it does a bunch of stuff in your body. One of the things it does very well is helping uh, recovery from you know any kind of kind of tissue damage, and magnesium is also it's almost a bit of a uh, mild sleep aid so i take magnesium every night um i take it either in zma form which is zinc magnesium and b6 or um, i'll have like an epsom salt bath or i'll take put like a topical magnesium spray on my skin and magnesium helps me fall asleep every time so i use that and some blue blocking glasses and they just get they get me off but um it's probably productive to maybe consider using some magnesium just to considering you're working at every single day, you need all the recovery type stuff, 
you can just to you know to kind of aid a speedy recovery i would suspect yeah i am dealing with a soreness right now and uh, the shin splints and you name it i feel like every day i wake up i'm like oh my god did i just get beat up last night wow, man. <laughs> and it's so yeah, i'm gonna start loading up and on, on testing these these products yeah so uh, not sure. not that you needed any more <laughs> yeah cool so listen man with so far really fantastic and interesting conversation man thank you james i would love to make sure that we spend just a little bit of time before we wrap this up talking about the shows themselves so um You've done three, um, I guess, different experiences with each, both in terms of the fact they're different competitions, they're different competitors, different judges, different locations. But I just uh, things I, I'm really curious about: posing, like posing practice. Um, you know, anything else you do on the lead up to the show to be ready to do what they ask you to do, and then the shows themselves. Like, how did you feel? Like, what was your, what was your headspace like? going to getting ready to perform and bronzing up and all of that kind of stuff. <laughs> bronzing up. That's funny. You know, everything we spoke about, the, the working out, the diet and all that stuff uh, is something that you can figure out. It's like intuitive or you can learn and you could try, you can do all that stuff and, and anyone can do it. But then when you get on stage or the, the stuff that you people, you don't do every day, you don't, pose you don't do these stance or the turns and the posing every day because that's not a natural thing unless you go up on stage so people tend to skip that part or you don't go bronzing and tanning and or exfoliating or getting your you're not going to do skin. that every every week are you yeah you don't do the first it. time you, you do, do it that. is when you're going to compete for the first time you don't <laughs> you don't do that so that, there's so many aspects of uh, of getting on stage and look and competing you need the those things are super important the the way to pose and look and the tanning to get all that right. It's a, it's a package deal. Um, it is very difficult. And it's it, to think that you can, you can learn how to pose in a week, two weeks, or get a coach to train you and watch a couple of YouTubes or get a video. It, it does not come natural. It's not something that, mm. that you can figure out. How, you need to, if, if to, to learn how to pose, you got to pose, uh, for weeks so that you feel confident in doing these weird turns or weird look and weird like, contour. Did, you get, like, did you get a coach to do that? I paid a, I paid a coach to just to show me the basics. Like, how do you do it? Like, what am I supposed to do here, there, you know, but even that the, they'll just tell you the basics as to the moves you're supposed to do. But that's not going to get you where you need to be. You, you need, need your own flair, right? You, you need you, your own you style. To, you need to practice that. You need to feel comfortable doing that in front of everybody with your shirt off <laughs> on stage. And it's like, where, where are you gonna, where are you gonna practice that? It's not normal to do that. Just and ask the wife to watch, right? I'm sure she was a big fan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you got to figure that out. Like you got to, you have to do it. Like almost when you're at the gym, you just got to turn and pose and stand and right and the right look and just feel right, so that when you go and do it, it feels natural. And if you don't put effort in that it's going to show that you are nervous and as no matter how good your diet is no matter how good you look if you are nervous then just don't pick it up so how many weeks i mean obviously you've done three so i guess the um cumulative uh, uh practice is starting to show 
in your yeah. in in your in your posing. But what was that first oh, first experience first, like, man? I I was I almost left. I almost got to the place and I saw everybody super tan. I saw everybody a lot bigger than me. I'm 150 pounds. Everybody was like 180, 200 pounds. And I'm standing next to these guys. I'm like, I- I'm leaving. I'm just going to leave. <laughs> no one's going to know that. I-, I-, I didn't tell anybody I was going to compete anyway. So I- I'm just going to leave. But then something in my head said, if I leave, my wife is going to be like, you're such an idiot. <laughs> so I didn't want to leave defeated. So I said, fine, I'll go up there and I'll do it. And my tan was off because I went to a local tan shop where everybody everybody else went to a pro tan. And they looked so much darker, so much better than me. But I was in better physical shape or I was tighter. Um, and I did okay my first one. I was really surprised. I placed third in, in the age 35 category. Wow. And I beat some of these bigger guys. I couldn't believe it. The way the prejudging where they call your name and you, or, and – if they don't call your name, then you know that you're going to be in the in the top five or, or something like that. And they didn't call my name, and I'm like, what is, what's going on? Like, they they forgot to call me to tell me to step out. <laughs> that was so shit. They haven't even <laughs> called me out. <laughs> like, no way. I'm standing next to these giants next to me, and I'm they're they're putting me like uh, third place next to these guys. I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh my god. And I was going to leave. I was going to leave. That is insane. So. The, you, you talk about the, the tanning. So that was just done by a, some a local spray tanning facility. You done that on the day, I guess. I guess you have to the, do it on the day, yeah? The night, I did it the night before. Oh, the night I before. Okay. I didn't know. I didn't know the process. And then then you go to these things and you meet people and then you learn a lot, a lot about the process. And they're like, you're supposed to go to pro tanning. You're supposed to exfoliate for like the 10, for 10 days prior to get your pH skin so that the tan sticks better to you. And <laughs> no way. you're like, what are you, you're like, what are you talking about? I just, this is like crazy talk. And this is why it's a pageant. It's a beauty pageant. And, um, and what, 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 what was the, what was the vibe like? So across any of them, any of the more, most memorable experiences, um, help me talk me through the process so you know you've you've rocked up you've given your name they start the show they start calling out names or, or groups of three four guys to come out and start you know doing moves what's, what's it what's the backstage vibe like on the lead up to you going on stage yeah the, i mean first off if you're in the mix of uh, bikini girls, uh, bodybuilders, and then the majority are, are men's physique. I guess men's physique is taking off, and there's not that many um, the other categories. And it, it's a circus. Backstage, it's a circus behind the stage or where, or wherever they put us in, in, a, in a, the hallway. First off, they put this plastic stuff all around the the, the area that you're going to hang out and, and um because your spray tan is going to rub off and, and it's going to get the whole place dirty. And it, it, yeah, it's, it's a joke. Um, and the, and the girls, they come with the, the bikini or the bikini girls, they come with so much stuff. Um, like what they're changing chairs. outfits and stuff. Are they? I, I, it's a big production for, for women, uh, competitors. They have, uh, they have, 
their suitcases, their rollers, their this, their the, the, the mirrors. And you're like, I don't even know what the hell I'm doing here. I'm there with like flip-flops, a pair of shorts, <laughs> <laughs> and those elastic bands and a couple, uh, some food. And uh, so then you can start learning and learning people. The bodybuilders there, they're all juiced up and they're just an amazing bunch of, for the most part, they are, they're just uh, so juiced up or so hyped up that they can't stop making Neanderthal sound sounds out of there like working out <laughs> flexing and okay. they can't even move and their arms are like uh, held out the whole time and it's it's kind of funny to watch but you're amongst them and it's great that somehow i'm in the back stage with these guys and it's like wow did i i i feel like wow this is cool for for being this far that i'm even standing next to these guys and then you got the then you get the the men's physique and everybody's doing push-ups and cables and the the uh, things like that and trying to not. Go. So you're trying to get a pump, are you ahead of? Yeah, yeah, yeah. oh yeah. Oh, you're doing hundreds of push-ups. You're doing hundreds of of uh, uh, flexes and poses, and it's a hard that day of. It's a hard, hard workout. Wow, and you're you're you haven't got anyone here telling you what to do. You're just using uh, your body weight or whatever's around you to just keep that pump going ready yeah, for the, ready for the stage the more fortunate people there typically have the means to have a uh someone that's touching up your tan and the other person who's telling you how to train or how to how to uh when to start your pump and when not to start your pump because you don't want to uh come out too early or do too too much too fast and so the the more fortunate people have one or two peep coaches with them telling them what to do. I don't have anything. I have a pair of flip flops and. and uh, <laughs> God, man, you must have been like a bunny in headlights, man. <laughs> but it's so fun to be like in a, put to throw yourself in in this uh, in this weird environment, and I call it a circus. And here's a funny point: I call it a circus because I, I've infiltrated the circus as as a, almost like a spy i'm in and backstage with with the with these events and i look at everybody and i'm like i'm a spy i'm in the circus and what came was clear to me in my last competition because it was local to my house i the day of when you get the, the bronzing tan you are super super dark and in between prejudging and finals i had some time to go to have some some lunch or some pre-dinner so I, I i went back home and i saw my family I said let's go out to eat let's go somewhere to eat and they wanted to go for sushi so i went upstairs when got changed i came down i come downstairs they, they look at me they're like i'm not going anywhere with you, the way you <laughs> did he look like ross from friends when he got an eight <laughs> so, so super tan and i was like why what's wrong what's wrong and they're like I'm not going, we can't go to the sushi restaurant that we always go to the way you look. I'm like, what's wrong with the way I look? And I'm like, and that's when I realized I didn't, I, I joined the circus. I'm part of the circus. I am, <laughs> I am the circus. And it, it's, it was only up until that point where I was like, oh man, I became, I became those people because typically the other two competitions were far away and I stayed there through the, the prejudging and, uh, 
the finals and I'm having lunch by myself or dinner by myself. So it wasn't really a major, I, I, I was a spy, but this was like now close to home and they were embarrassed with, to be with me. <laughs> <They were embarrassed. laughs> so it was kind of funny. That, that is funny, man. Um, okay. So what about, what about the actual, the actual bit on the stage? So you get called out. Um, I, I, I haven't watched, I haven't watched tons of bodybuilding shows, but you know, I, I see that the judges are typically asking them to strike X pose and it's got to be done in a certain way. You know, got to flare your lats out or, you know, do double bicep and stuff. So I guess there's what, like a dozen or so different, um, poses, uh, and they call out the pose move and you've got to be, You've just got to do do what they say. Are they are they judging the efficacy of the movement, or are they just purely judging your physique? So, the, the men's physique is is they have men's physique, they have classic physique, and then they have um, the bodybuilding. The bodybuilding is what you just talked about. Okay. The, then there's classic physique, which is almost like um, they wear tidy white, like black spandex, um, like looks like tidy whiteies. Yeah, they'll be it's like not, they'll be like Sadiq and Jeremy. They'll be in that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sadiq, Sadiq's a classic physique guy, but he's also do, does men's physique. And then there's men's physique, which is board shorts, and the board and those type of competition, those uh, not the pro, but the the ones that I do. You there, there's not too much routine. So you go up there, they call you out, you do front. You do a front and then uh, a back, and the way you you get into your front pose, your side pose, your back pose, and then you turn around, and that's it. You do four, like four turns. Okay. There's nothing. And then you go back onto your line, and then they call you out to, on stage, and they'll say um, uh, front pose. Now you're competing against everybody in the line. The front pose, and then they say turn around back pose, and then they'll figure out who is the top five and so then they'll call you out or to, to step out means you didn't if they call your name you didn't make the top five um or they, if they switched you around uh it's good to be in the middle so you want to end up in the middle if you're in the middle then you know you're in the top one or two um right but okay. if, so it's really quick and fast it, it's for men's physique it's not that elaborate that glamorous of uh back double by or front this it's not that structure it's not a, you just go out do four four point turn and that's it did when you whenever you've uh done these these shows have you always felt that you've posed as you expected or have you if you fucked things up or you know subsequently after doing it gone oh um, i wish i wish i'd done it slightly differently because obviously your body you can't change at that point but the way you it's show it is um, quite subjective, true. right? It's very important the way you stand and the lighting and, and the way you turn and the way you po like the way you flex. And if you don't smile and if you look nervous, it all comes out. There's no cheating on the right, stage. Of course, man. if you don't have that, then you're not. You don't have it, and you don't deserve the 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 you know the the placing if you can't pull all that together. And um, the and what I say this. Uh, this is my third one. I, I wouldn't even consider myself uh, someone that competes until the third one. The first one, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. The second one, I did barely knew. I didn't smile. I was all nervous. Uh, and and also, you get to get these poses down. You're doing it. Typically, I'll do it in front of a mirror so I know of how I'm doing within, within a mirror. But you got to be able to do it with 
without a mirror. Yeah, you got to wow. be doing it on four. So you got to get it right, and it's got to feel natural. You got to always hit it without without a mirror. So these guys that win, they practice those poses all day long. They, they like every chance they get, they will they will practice the pose. Posing is very important. So here's my here's my it's last here, here's my last question because I think this is the one which, um, if you've heard me talk on uh, the Adapt Nation podcast, or you've read some of my stuff, James, which I know you've done both. Um, I I have a, a slight issue with the fitness industry in as much that there is an incredible amount of narcissism, so much ego, right? You just look through social media. Um, I think when I think of physique competing, I, I, I can't help but to think of the narcissism that kind of floods the stage and floods these guys' activities and, and generally their life. How much of what I've said is true? Because when I think about someone wanting to enter that world and stay in it for a period of time, not just do a one-off experiment, but, hey, I'm going to compete, do physique for a, a you know for a good few years – your life is your body. Your life is your looks. Um, I could imagine that being quite a lonely place, quite a vulnerable place, a place where you're never satisfied and um, a place where perhaps you've got a bit of a topsy-turvy set of priorities, right? You know, life should really be about giving, connecting, engaging, you know, that kind of trouble mentality, working with people and enjoying people's company and enjoying life. But I guess when you're competing for an aesthetic competition, it's so self-focused that I can't help but to feel it's um, selfish and um, uh, self-indulgent. So can you kind of just kind of finish this conversation on on giving me your assessment of whether it be yourself or the others around you as, you know, just how much narcissism, narcissism is there and how do you get a balance? How do you compete and not turn into one of these, you know, crazy guys that's one, both highly vulnerable, very self-conscious, never satisfied with themselves and as focused on their body above all else. How do you how do you take yourself away from that so you have balance and you, you don't kind of beat yourself up? So the what I'll what I'll offer is that these these NPC men's physique competition is no different than a other physical competition. Yes, the men's physique, it's a weirder, stranger activity because of the the nature of, of tanning, shaving all the hair off your body, posing there, smiling. It's all aesthetic. You're looking at it. Just, but at the end of the day, it's still a competition. I will, this will pass. I will not going to do this much longer. I just physically can't. But had I not been doing this, I would have done something else. I would mm -hmm. have done, I would have gone, okay, I've done five marathons, a couple triathlons. Let me, I would probably go, let's go to an Ironman. Let's try and see if I can do uh, a major, major of uh, sporting event. I would find something else. And it's just me. This is just what I, I've been doing over the last 10, 15, 20 years of, of always been doing some sort of fun athletic sport or athletic activity or competition. It's just against myself. It's to see how I could, can I possibly achieve this? Can I, and I, I don't think I'm ever going to change. And there's no way that 
um, maybe I'm going to start getting older and physically I'm not going to be able to do men's physique, but I will find something else that I will continue to do. And I agree that it is a selfish activity because it consumes a lot of your time and whatever you do, whether it's a, a, a marathon, a triathlon, Ironman, it consumes a ton amount of your time. Um, however, by investing that time in yourself, you actually feel better about yourself. I find that it helps me be a better person by investing that in in myself that I be, I am able to be a better me. So I, I don't see myself ever, ever not competing in something. So you, it sounds like you've got a healthy um, outlook and relationship with this specific competition. But would it be right in saying that there are others where that relationship starts to get twisted? And starts oh. becoming unhealthy because I can imagine there's people it's that don't so don't that don't use this as a force for good to you know care and focus and then give to others, but instead you know I could I could I could imagine it being quite a lonely place and quite a dissatisfying place where you're only as good as you look in a mirror, and some days you don't look good or what you see you don't like, and that must be hard. Right, because that happens yeah. to everyone. But when when your body is so important because it's what you do, yeah, I, I, I can imagine you know, having some pretty low days. And 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 at the same time, it's not just low days; it's the front. Like I went to a Body Power Expo a few months ago, and the amount of people just walking around, tops off, just like fronting their stuff, and it was all like, I, w I was confused. Were, were these guys vulnerable? Were they peacocking for the sake of peacocking, <laughs> or or is it just them? They just like they got they don't give a shit about anyone else. It's all about me, me, me. And I couldn't work out whether they were lost or they were just full of themselves. I, I think you're going to get a mix. You're going to get a mix of 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 people in that where uh, a portion of them are going to be me, me, me. Look at me, or just showing off what they are, or or completely. Uh, lonely, and then this is the only thing that they have, and so they they want to show their off, and I, I think that it's just it's taking off as to as this everyone's into this type of uh, this type of um, in the, specific those these body expos that everyone's into these these things that everyone wants to show off. Uh, it's it's just another it's just another avenue to be to promote yourself and uh, people find get satisfied from doing it and, and having a, a venue to do so it's a it is a interesting space and i'm really glad we've spoken james because it's helped it's helped me balance you know my what can sometimes be quite a forceful position uh on the idea of competing you know i'd, I'd tire it with the brush of you know, narcissism and orthorexia, but the reality is you're, you're just throwing your, throwing your heart and soul into something that gives you purpose, intent, and direction, gives you a milestone and goal to go be your best self. And you're using, uh, you know, this as the outlet, right? And um, I've not really looked at it that way. I've, I've looked at it as, as a, a healthy thing to do if you can go in and get out and find a way to have learned about how to build your body with the precision as as competitors often do um but yeah i guess i tied it with a brush of it being 
um, perhaps may, maybe have bringing less good to someone's life than um, than you'd like, just because it, it's quite a uh, it, can, it looks from the outside quite shallow and uh, lonely and quite a vulnerable place to be to constantly being subjectively judged. But the reality is, as you've said, it's um, it brings a lot of good if you have the right attitude and mindset when you get into it. Yeah, I, t- I totally agree. I mean, it, it's a competition. That's it. My, it. That was the toughest thing for my wife to understand is like, why are you doing this? Like, what do you care? Like you wear, she's like, but you don't care how you look. You don't, you, you wear old Navy pants and you don't, <laughs> you, you wear like a t-shirt from old Navy and pants from old Navy. You don't care how you look. And so why you're going up there to be judged. <laughs> and so uh, my response is it's a competition. I have to compete. I want to compete to see how well I can do with, with, with this. And I, it's my own competition and to see if i can tweak and get everything right so that i can be up there and it's just it you know it's just a competition it's nothing for me for for me it's nothing more than that but yeah i can see people completely losing themselves where they start taking um they start taking steroids and they're they only associate with those type of people and it it no social life i mean you kind of need to do that right when you are when you're dialed in as much as you need to be, you know, you need to say no to a lot of things that are fun, right? Yeah. You know, alcohol, yeah, yeah. going yeah. to the movies, having a meal yeah. with your friends, having eaten what you want, you know, not being the guys super, you know, tight, or, you know, a bit of a tight ass with everything just because they don't want to, you know, fall outside of their plan. I could see they've been quite socially restrictive, but hey, if you've got a healthy way of managing that, then hey, yeah. then that that that's the that's a great place to be. But I suspect yeah. there's quite a few people that get caught out and it kind of owns them for a while. Yep. Cool. Listen, James, thank you so much for your time. It has been um, eye-opening for me. It's been great to hear um, how you're going about building your best body because I'm very interested in doing the same for myself. So I've got a few uh, few lessons that I've learned today. Um I will put in the show notes, James, anything that you want to share in terms of, uh, you know, how people might be able to find you or if uh, you want to share some pictures of, you know, last shows just so people can put put a face to the name. And of course, uh, for your friends and family that um, I, I suspect will be intrigued to hear what you have to go through, um, you can obviously point them towards this podcast as well. So James, listen, thank you so much for your time. Um, is there any closing comments, thoughts or um, you know, things that you want to share before we wrap this up? I true. I, I you know this, this journey and, and of you launching this after nation is is so much fun to watch and knowing your commitment to this working. Uh, I, I appreciate you allowing me to be on this journey with you, listening and helping uh, um, message your 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 uh, podcast and sharing it with others i think it's it's great and so uh, i really appreciate it oh thanks james i appreciate you too man right guys adapt nation is all about providing you with the tools and expert knowledge to help you improve and optimize your strength health and mindset inside and out thank you guys and have a great week If you enjoy this show, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps. And of course, recommend us to any friends or family who you think might also enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. This is Adapt Nation.